Welcome to the Pink Isle. My name is Henry Kathman, and joining me is Emma Corey. Hey. Hey. It's mermaid time. It's mermaid time. So. So ready. Oh, I'm glad you're ready because yeah. we are covering 2006's Barbie Fairytopia Mermaidia. And definitely after, after the joy we had last Barbie movie we watched, it's Wh gonna be. What Barbie movie? I don't remember watching a Barbie movie at all last week. Oh, yeah. I just remember watching a physical embodiment of pain yeah. and suffering. It's like one of those things where you just like kind of try to push it out of your mind, you know. Oh yeah. You don't you can't name it. You don't want to think about it too much. And the nice thing about that aforementioned movie is that so much of it is so forgettable that it makes it very easy. Like <laughs> the movie does half of its job for us. What joys. Uh, anyway, we're talking about uh, Barbie, Fairytopia, Mermaidia. Uh, colon, Mermaidia. Yes. Which, this is the first sequel we have. Yeah, so, uh, like I've said in the original Fairytopia episode, which admittedly was a movie that I didn't care for that much compared to the other movies, uh, the Fairytopia series is a very interesting beast within the greater... Uh, grouping of this Barbie franchise. And it's going to be extremely interesting to see how they revisit this setting. Because honestly, the best part of the movie last time was the setting and like all the interesting design ideas that were going into and it. And Henry, don't you see? We'll have an entire movie which takes place underwater, so we'll get the water effects. Oh man, I totally... Oh, foolish me, I totally didn't put that together. Oh my god, we are going to be a truly blessed podcast because praise Mattel for we have those water effects. I know, I can't wait. But like, this is actually one of their first before many forays to mermaid stories for some reason. Oh yes, we are definitely going to be revisiting the idea of mermaids in fiction as time goes on. And, yeah. uh... Mermaids as a story device. It's I feel I feel like there was like a really uptick from like the nineties to like to mid two thousands where there's just a bunch of like mermaid movies. Like I remember of course they got the Disney movie, but I remember as a little kid watching the movie Splash. Have mm -hmm. you ever heard of that oh, one? Oh yeah, Splash. Which is probably very problematic if I try to think about it. I mean it. it's basic it's a basic manic pixie dream girl thing, yeah. but with Tom Hanks, John Candy and was it Cher? No. No. It was, I don't think the actress really did a lot more after it, but it did popularize the use of the name Madison for girls, so. But you see, I liked that movie as a kid, because I just, I, I was just like that, that image with like the guy who like the message goes up with it, and he's just like, look, cool mermaid. That was me. Okay. As a kid. But. Yeah. I mean, you are definitely right. Mermaids are a surprisingly popular choice. They had the 13th year, the yep. Disney Channel 
original movie. It was like a Nickelodeon drama. H2O. It was like an Australian yeah, show. Yeah, because they outsourced it. And it's like, that mo- that show was hilarious because they ha- had all this thing where all the girls had like special powers, but mm-hmm. their powers would always go like AWOL during the full moon. Of course Because they, they had like, I don't know, but like, so every time that happened, they would have a thing where like, guys, we can't look at the full moon, but they would always somehow find a way to mess it up every time. Wow. They never learned. It was. It sounds very interesting. And if I may posit a theory, I think the main core reason behind some of these mermaid pieces of fiction is because uh, most of them take inspiration from the Little Mermaid, the Hans Christian Andersen thing. And there's a big element of transforming your body. It's a fish out of water story. Yes. And I feel like that lends itself greatly to stories about teenagers as well as uh, LGBTQ plus people because that element of transformation and reappraising your place in society based off of seemingly arbitrary body trends and all that stuff. Yeah, which is ironic because this movie involves a land-dwelling creature becoming a mermaid for a time. No, but that's the thing. It's not so much like becoming a human or becoming a mermaid it's just that element of transformation because that seems to be a very common element in most of these mermaid stories yeah and also mermaids are just cool yeah i think i think that's that's the biggest thing to remember mermaids they're cool definitely an underrated uh mythological creature i feel like there hasn't been a good mermaid movie in a long time or mermaid based show I mean... Well, they had that it, siren show, but I haven't seen it. I haven't that. seen it either. Uh, I don't know if it's good or not, but yeah. I mean, we're only a few years out from Disney's remake of Will Mermaid. No. Aren't you excited? I am not excited <laughs> at all. I'm sorry, oh. Lin-Manuel Miranda, but I am not. Oh, he's, he's in... Oh, he, he's my, like helping, I think he's... Uh, gosh, more okay. Music. He sold his soul to the Disney company for the next 20 years, okay? He's got to I mean, listen, anyone who's moderately successful on Broadway ends up getting swept up by Disney at some point. It's kind of like an inevitable cycle. That's true. I hope, like, after, like, all this trend of remakes, we'll get that, like, we'll get a repeat of that trend, like, after the Disney Renaissance where we had a lot of those weird experimental movies, like the Treasure Planet and... Whatnot, just so we can get some interesting things in here, you know? Well, under our Lord and Savior, Bob Iger, we can only hope. Oh, man. Maybe <laughs> he won't make it that long. He might, <laughs> he uh, might uh, you know. You know. You know, go, go go a bit too many rounds on the Big Thunder Mountain or whatever. <laughs> Jeez, okay. <laughs> but back to Barbie. So, uh, going back over the cast and crew, uh, as always, we have a lot of returning people from the first Fairytopia uh, making appearances within the cast, as always. Shout out to Kelly Sheridan. I feel like we gotta come up with a nice little, like, jingle for Kelly. Just like, it's Kelly. Her... <laughs> you don't see it, but I'm doing jazz hands right now. Yes, they're very beautiful, listener. Uh, we'll workshop it because Kelly deserves all those special shout outs. Yeah. Uh, but also, we have T, uh, Lee Tokar returning as He Bibble. who shall not be named. Well, we gotta name him because his name is Bibble. That is true. <laughs> Bibble, that, uh, that trick serial treat of a creature. Def- 
I always saw more as a like sort of a fruit loop. Yeah, well, it's because he's like a ball, you know. He's like true, he's true. not loop. Yeah, uh, but also we have returning uh, Tabitha Saint Germain as Dandelion, and uh, also Laverna is gonna be back in this one. Yes, returning as Catherine. Uh, Kathleen Barr. And who's the voice actress they have for uh, Nori, the mermaid girl? Nori, the mermaid, is going to be played by Chiara Zani, who, uh, I don't think she's made much of a major appearance before this, but, uh... She was in X2 X-Men United as White House tour guide. Yeah. That must have been a very fun shoot for her with Brian Singer. But... Oh, no. Yeah. Anyway, she's, uh, yeah, looking through it, she's mostly done a lot of TV Oh, she was Raquel in Barbie Diaries. Oh. It's coming back. You can't escape it. Yep. Yep. You see, this movie, though, was a marketing genius because since they had the uh, Alina and this one turning into... A mermaid, they could sell a doll where it could be like a fairy and a mermaid. Yeah, and the wings would like fold up and become the mermaid tail. And it was, yeah, definitely. There's a lot about the fairytopia setting that is a bit of a merchandiser's like dream world. Mm. Like, because they got to compete with those Disney fairies. Yeah. Well, well, actually, that was something that I was looking into. Uh, A majority of the licensing rights that uh, Disney does for at least their princess line is actually done through Mattel. Hmm. So it wouldn't necessarily be an issue of like competing with it, but it might just be more of Mattel like seeing the success of the fairy dolls that they've been licensing out to Disney and thinking, we should make an original version of that. Maybe for a little cheaper. That way we can sort of ride this little fairy wagon that they got going on. Hmm. And maybe we'll throw in a bit of mermaids, you know? Get... See, I feel like there's two kinds of mermaids you would get. You'd be the ones with, like, the cloth tail that could, like, change. And then you would have the ones that just had, like, the solid rubber tails, and a lot of them, like, were, like, motorized. Well, according to this, it seems like uh, they did make dolls for the characters of Nori, uh, Shella, and Melissa. Oh, Marissa. See, it's different. It's different and totally original, but... By my estimate, it looks like, it looks like at least for uh, Alina, it seems primarily the only doll that they gave her was that transforming uh, fairy. But I mean, that's that is... just going off of the Barbie movie wiki. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, one last thing. Uh, uh, Alessandro Giuliani, uh, Giuliani is returning as Nalu. Uh, he had a bit of a blip on the last one. Yeah, but, but he's coming back. He's coming back, so it's going to be very interesting to see how. Yeah, it's weird when I think about mermaids, because I remember the very first video game I ever played was, like, a Barbie mermaid game for the PC. Well, well, uh, well look. I'm pretty sure it was actually a video game for this movie. Okay, I mean, I would not be surprised by that, but... Mm. Yeah. Do you have any other things with this? No, I remember this movie being decent. Yeah. So. And 
from what I've seen online, there's been a lot of hustling about how the shipping fuel being a lot higher for... Barbie does get a mermaid girlfriend in this one, though. So, so. yeah, that's going to be very interesting to look at. And also, uh, there was... Some people have pointed out with Barbie and the Magic of Pegasus how uh, the Cloud Queen and... Uh, Brietta. Brietta. How a lot of people ship those two because... I mean, they spent all that time in the cloud. But she was a horse. Okay, but once, but like after she turned back into a human. Okay. You know when like Barbie was knocked out? Maybe now that they were, she was human. She was like, now we can truly be together. Maybe I don't. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. The horse thing, definitely. The horse thing is that's the first thing you remember. Okay, it's like. (laughs) But I don't know. Well, this they apparently come from a world where it's just people and horses, so maybe that's just this is normal. Who knows? It's best knows? not to think too deeply about it. About yeah, that's that's definitely. We're stopping fair. this conversation okay. now. Fair enough. So I think with all that said, it's time to journey in through the rainbow once again to see the mystical realm of Barbie, Fairytopia. Colon. Bar- Colon. Mermaidia. Barbie Fairytopia presents Mermaidia. Now Alina gets bigger wings than ever before. Alina gave up her wings to swim and save a friend. Then her adventure as a mermaid was set to begin. They get a sash in Mermaidia. Her wings so magically come back more beautifully. Now they live happily. They get a sash in Mermaidia. Barbie Mermaidia Fairy mermaid alina doll with big beautiful wings yeah yeah so that was mermaidia i i thought it was pretty decent i think yeah i thought i ended up liking it a lot more than uh the first fairy topia yeah. movie definitely i think something that struck me was that it managed to basically have very similar stakes to the first Fairytopia. like laverna was basically gonna poison all of fairytopia in order to become queen, and in this one... Yeah, but this one, they, like, make it explicit that, like, people will die. die. Yeah, instead of just losing their wings. And, I mean, it's really tempting to just be all like, you gotta add death to it for stuff to really matter, but... But, I don't know, it just feels... It definitely feels like a lot more perilous journey this time, and I feel like the set pieces they go on are a lot more interesting. Like, the previous movie had a lot of just, like, really slow flight scenes. Yeah, definitely. But this movie, it feels like definitely an upgrade. Yeah, I would say so. But uh, something we failed to mention while uh, we were going through the intro is that uh, just wanted to give a quick shout-out to the writers and directors of this movie. Uh, Returning as a writer is Elise Allen, but she is the only writer for this one. Oh, which is interesting, because most of the previous one had, like, two writers. Yeah, it, so. it would usually consist of Elise Allen with someone else. But also, we have William Lau returning as director, as well as Martin P. Uh, Marthysius. Walter P. Marthysius. Yeah. yeah, who was the original director behind Fairytopia. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, a few other Barbie movies as well. I don't know what it was about uh, this movie that required two directors, it's nothing uncommon within an animated feature, but usually 
a animated feature will enter multiple directors if it's an especially long production or something with a lot of elaborate stuff in it. Which, don't get me wrong, there was a lot of really interesting stuff within this movie, but, uh, I don't know, it's something very interesting. One of these days, I'm just gonna try and track down some crew member behind these movies and try yeah, to, like... I think it's very interesting, because I feel like a lot of these things like this, you don't really know a lot about, like, the behind-the-scenes... Yeah, thing. and I think that's a shame, because there's so much about these movies that have gone on to have such an impact for so many, like, kids, and... I think it's good that we recognize the artists that end up making these things, however commercial they end up being. Yeah, and I mean, this movie definitely has a lot of that commercial feel to it. Oh, there yeah. There definitely are a few like scenes of characters where you're like, oh, that's the, that's the toy they're wanting to sell. But yeah, I mean, this, I will say that this, compared to other movies, like felt the most egregious in terms know. of like I feel like Barbie Diaries was worse in that aspect but this Well, one... I mean not in terms of that like it felt like in terms of like the plot and characters that they introduced within this movie a lot of them felt like they were introduced for the sake of selling a toy which it's not going to inherently diminish the quality in fact like I'd say that there it doesn't end up like hindering the product at all but mm-hmm. Yeah, you are definitely right that it it does feel very toyetic, for lack of a better word. Yeah, definitely. It definitely, it takes a while for it to get going, I think. But once it gets to, like, the sort of latter half when they're going through, like, the kind of perilous journey, it definitely adds a lot more interest to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not as good as, like, Pegasus or anything, but it's definitely... I'd put this one around, like, maybe Nutcracker quality. I'd actually put it a little higher than Nutcracker quality. In my, mm-hmm. This was something we were actually talking about during the movie, but something really interesting about any Barbie movie that involves Barbie going on a journey is that usually those sort of heroes' journeys, they take an interesting approach because often the hero's journey, instead of it just applying to a singular character, it's applied to a friendship. Mm-hmm. And... That's something surprisingly unexplored in a lot of fantasy storytelling. Usually it's just focused on the capital P protagonist. But since this is Barbie, uh, there are certain like limitations that you can do to her character-wise because she doesn't really start off that flawed at the beginning. And because of that, there's this necessity for her to bounce off a more uh, renegade personality. Yeah. And that results in a lot of interesting development, in my opinion. Like, yeah. and maybe that's maybe that was what Fairytopia was kind of missing because in Fairytopia she only really had she only really traveled with Bibble, yeah, and like that butterfly guy. Except for a the while. butterfly didn't really have much of a personality. Yeah, he was just kind of the transportation. Yeah, and they did meet the what was his name Dahlia. Yeah, yeah they the met dryad, Dahlia the dryad. She was only at the very end. She didn't she was only at the very do. end, and honestly, yeah, I would think that if they made that whole movie like a journey with. Alina uh, and Dahlia, that would have been a lot more interesting because I yeah. think there was a lot of stuff there. But I suspect that the people who made this movie had a similar thought because as we're going to see that, there are certain characters that greatly parallel Dahlia and like her sort of sarcastic, impatient attitude. Yeah, so this one we get like sort of a secondary female lead that yeah. really kind of helps out in this sort of situation to just make it 
a lot more interesting, especially since Barbie is coming from like an outsider into mm-hmm. this world. Definitely. Yeah. So I think that's as good a place to start with this. So the movie actually opens with a recap of the last movie. Like I said, it was their first sequel. You know, they got to make sure like people knew this is this new stuff we're adding on. So. I suppose so, but I mean, I won't argue too much. I it. Anytime that a movie has to do, like, a voiceover just recapping events, it just reeks of, like, wow, you just don't trust the narrators or the storytellers to make anything memorable, well, do you? Well, the thing about these direct-to-video sequels, though, they are kind of made for people to just be able to, like, find them at the dollar store and just True. watch them from there, you know? Yeah, I, I don't think they so. were really banking on a huge uh, Barbie continuity snobs out there, you know? Like, I suppose so. That, that's definitely And it does provide, and if you were, like, a little kid who just happened to see this on, like, Nickelodeon or, like, on the, at your local blockbuster, you know, you would want, there might be certain things that would be confusing to you if you didn't already see the first movie. I suppose so. That's it. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Alina is enjoying her brand new wings that she got in Fairytopia. And I don't think this is supposed to be the case, but the way they, like, pace it almost makes it sound like this is just an extension of the end of the last movie so this happened just like right after yeah because the way she's acting is like i just can't believe i have my wings like i'm afraid that if i love them too much i'll wake up because this must be a dream Mm -hmm. also there are a bunch of uh more of the little shorties are still spinning around in the same circle they were before the weird flower short yeah I don't know why they those things carried over. Oh, and actually, speaking of things carrying over from the last movie, it should be noted that even though the animation style changed and improved with the magic of Pegasus and... Okay, not Barbie Diaries, but... Barbie Diaries put it into perspective, but... Uh, in this movie, Alina, Dandelion, Bibble, and a lot of the actual fairy characters and mermaid characters that showed up in the previous movies have the same model. Like, they didn't really do anything to update how she looked, which honestly was a bit of a negative note in uh, this film's favor for me. Yeah, definitely a little bit of inconsistency in some of the models. Yeah, which will be more apparent later as we see some of the newer characters in this story, but... I don't know. It just made it feel slightly cheaper. Like, I get it. You probably you already made this Alina doll. You don't necessarily have to update it. But, you know, it might have looked a little nicer. Yeah, the character design is definitely hit and miss for the one. There's some that look good, but others that are just very terrifying. Yeah, there were multiple points while we were watching this movie where we would just suddenly be looking and the scene would transition and the character would pop in and we'd just be like, Ah! Yeah, you get, you, get, you get that knee-jerk reaction to some of these characters, but you know who is also back? The one. Battle! The only, the, the tricks, Puff, yeah, Captain Crunchberry. Yeah, so the opening credits. Bibble. Bibble. Uh-huh. The opening credits involve Bibble essentially playing hide-and-seek with Alina and Dandelion, and suddenly they notice Bibble's being followed by... Another fairy. Ooh. Another little shorty that's gonna. Another shorty toy. with like a Betty Boop face and. 
Ugh, Which I, we never see again after the opening. No, so. we really don't. But eventually, Bibble catches up with Alina and Dandelion and informs them of the weird fairy that's following him. So they sneak up on the fairy, and there's just the scene where they surprise her, and she starts screaming, Bibble starts screaming, Dandelion starts screaming, and they all just scream, and I, I just... I just wish that scene would never end. Like, Me I just too. wanted that to go on forever. Music to my ears. Definitely. I love hearing the sounds of people screaming. Especially when it's Bibble screaming. Like, yeah. mm. Bibble in pain. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, once the small fairy comes to, she informs her that Prince Nalu, the mare prince of Mermadia, uh, yeah, remember who, him? He yeah. was in the last movie. Showed up in the last movie, did that weird holdy hand. Yeah, he was there. He was there. Uh, I've been informed that she was kidnapped by some of the uh, goblin-like fungi. Yeah, they're called the fungus, but they're just goblins. Yeah, that's the thing. I do not recall them being called fungi. I think I remember them being called that before. Okay, because they just look like goblins. Like, yeah. I don't I don't know what's, what's wrong with calling them goblins. Because it's a garden world, okay? They gotta, I suppose like, so. I, that would explain, like, why they all end up looking the same. Like, if they were, like, homegrown by Laverna, but... Don't explain the shoe thing, though. Yeah. Like, the, I I just don't... Anyway. But anyway, so she talks... Which, this movie begins exactly like the last one, where someone just, like, randomly interrupts their play and be like, guess what? Someone got kidnapped. And, and you, you have to go do this. You're the only person, apparently. Yeah. Even though there's more qualified people there, we just conveniently don't have time, so... We don't have time. And Prince Nalu specifically requested that Alina help him. Yeah. For reasons? I think I would have asked, like, this butterfly fairy to get maybe, like, another mermaid who could... Yeah. Fly. Or, like, while... Maybe being like, okay, I'll go. But also, while I'm doing that, go talk to the fairy lords and the enchantress and the other mermaid. Like... Your prince but, is missing. But Alina, she's got the rainbow eye, okay? She's special. She's, got the she's the only eye. one who can do things. Yeah, okay? because as soon as Dandelion in, like wants to go with her, Alina pulls that same, no, it's too Dandelion, dangerous. you are never going to be allowed to play a big role in one of these movies, okay? Yes, how dare you think you'll be more than anything but a secondary character. This is your destiny. Which they never explain why Dandelion can't help. She's no. just like, I don't know, is Dandelion supposed to be like younger than her? Because she's always like. They seem to be the same age. Like, I just don't why get Why is she her mom? I don't know. I, I don't, well, I have no idea. So as it turns out, Laverna, who is banished to a place called the Bog of the Hilderlands, which a great name. This is another chance for another instance where a villain like exploded by the end of the movie, but later on they were like, nah, they were just teleported somewhere else. It turns out Laverna is seeking the immunity berry, which will cause whoever eats it to become immune to all magic, past, present, and future. And Laverna needs this because if she can eat it, it will negate the magic 
that is keeping her from escaping and keeping her from taking over Fairytopia again. Yep. So, uh, she has sent out her fungi to try and recover it. And Only if- now she has a lead fungi. Yes. Fungus Maximus. He is dressed in blue. And he's so got he- a vest. And he's got a hard-on for Laverna. Yeah. Totally different from all the other fungi. Yep, and that's exactly what he sounds like. Definitely, yeah. I, I gotta be honest, like, uh, as weak as I considered Laverna in the last movie, I think adding this dynamic between her and Maximus, like... It's just fun. She just keeps on, like, Skyping him the entire movie. Yeah. She just yell at him. Pretty much. She's just kind of, she's she's waiting for the third movie, okay? She's like that judgy pageant mom who, <laughs> even though, like, the kid in question is, like, 14 and doesn't compete in pageants anymore, that makes it sound a lot darker than it actually is. But yeah. the point is, Laverne is sassy, a little clingy, and Max is... All thirsty. He's trying his best. He's trying but his anyway, best. But anyway, so it's him and two other fungus, goblins, whatever, and they have captured the Prince Nalu, mm-hmm. and they essentially tell him that they want him to take him to the berry, or else they're going to essentially poison the water supply and oh, kill everything. Not essentially. They spell it out. Yeah. They say, we will poison the water supply, and all of the media will die. Yeah, so definitely an up to the stakes from before. Yes, and I think with that added stakes, a big problem I had with the last uh, Fairytopia movie was the fact that she was spending all this time with the other fairy lords and how they were basically just spending their time being all sassy to each other. It didn't make her feel this dangerous, but the fact that she has these lackeys with civilization-ending magic, just like in a bottle... And it's just freely undisposed. It's like, yeah, it makes her feel a whole lot more menacing, and it ultimately helps make Maximus a lot more compelling. And yeah, it's nice little positive in this movie's favor. Yeah. So essentially, Nalu agrees after the threat to mm-hmm. take them down to where the berry is, and that's kind of where Alina arrives with a uh, Nalu already gone. Yep, but. She and Bibble find the poisoned area that was previously tampered with by Maximus, so... Also, they they find a turtle that is very scary looking. Yeah, yeah, so they find a turtle, and they don't give this thing a name, I think... I think they mention its name later, like, but I can't remember. The name is not important because Bibble finds this turtle, and meanwhile... Alina finds a mermaid named Nori. She blew. She blew, and she bought. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I mean. They got, they got a good relationship. They got a good re- yeah. So, I definitely, because they almost sort of set up like a bit of a love triangle-ish thing, but they never like do any kind of cattiness with it. And yeah. And it's like, and they kind of. You mentioned how, like, they kind of have the one character who's a bit more of a wild card, and she's Mm -hmm. sort of like, I don't want you to help, I want to do this on my own. Yeah, which, interestingly enough, that serves as a parallel between how Alina was, kind of, in the first film, except they never went there. Yeah. And I think, like, 
Nori as a character, while we were watching the movie, I just browsed on the Mermaidia tag, and y'all, there's a lot of great, like, fan art of Nori. Like, granted, there's been a lot of fan art for some of these movies that we need to do a better job of posting on our Twitter, at Pink Isle Pod. Uh, but there's something about, like, this mermaid that has gotten so many people, like, I don't know, maybe it is that, like, sassy personality yeah, and that I think sentiment. it's also because she's got, like, kind of a cool design. She does. And she was advertised a lot when this movie came out along with Barbie and the trailer they had. Yeah. And I think it's just, like, out of, like, a, the secondary female protagonist, she's definitely the one you see prop crop up the most. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's almost similar to how Princess and the Popper was. Like, I got a lot of Princess and the Popper vibes while we were watching this movie. And coincidentally enough, people... Well, one of them is pink and one of them is blue. Yeah, so, so we're keeping up that theme. But yeah, Nori is a very interesting character. And it's going to be cool to see what else she does in this also, movie. Also, weirdly, she kind of blames Alina for what happened yeah. in the last movie where like the Firebirds kind of like came down there. Even though the Firebirds even didn't really do any damage or no. destruction, they just kind of... They kind of just flew, and one blew up, I guess, but... Yeah. Yeah, she, so she blames Alina for some of the bad things that happened, and she's like, don't you think you've helped enough? I'll do this by myself. Yeah, it is always kind of, like, cheap in these kids' movies where, like, a character will, like, get mad at a character for a really dumb and petty reason. And yeah. like... I mean, especially since the main reason is because she's jealous of Alina because she thinks that Nalu's in love with her. Uh, like I said, they don't go... It doesn't last too long. It doesn't last too long. Oh, we forgot oh, to mention the first thing... The first thing she said. said. She's like, well, you are beautiful, but not as beautiful as they say. Like, okay, come on. <laughs> Listen, the sort of potential... WLW relationships in these past movies, those kind of got sidetracked and tampered by the movies. Like, in Princess and the Popper, they were all like, oh, we could be sisters. Yeah. And Magic of Pegasus, Cloud Queen. We've moved past that one, remember? We have. We moved past. We moved past. So horse, yeah, horse. Stop, stop. Anyway, <laughs> but this time, Nothing in the way here except a crappy love triangle. But, yeah. But here's the thing about love triangles, listener. Triangle's got three sides. Alina's got two hands. Alina's got two hands. It's true. Even though Nalu, he's just, I don't know. He's Nalu's a... a he's mm. got a mullet. I don't trust that. <laughs> I don't trust that part. He does have a mullet. And I've, I'm disappointed in ourselves that we did not point that out last time. No. I didn't notice it until this time. Yeah. Now I can never unnotice. So, uh, eventually the turtle brings by that same magic seed weed that causes uh, Alina to breathe underwater, and she and Bibble eat it, and they manage to follow Nori all the way back to Mermadia. And while they're doing this, uh, Nalu is basically uh, causing maximus and the other fungi to circle around and kind of throw them off the scent so like yeah, they also got a big stingray they're on so. yeah 
are all manta rays stingrays? I mean, we so, can't talk about fish biology here, okay? We cannot, they got they got pink turtles with pearl necklaces and horrifying people faces here, okay? True, true. Apologies. Although something I just realized, Nalu is just a damsel in distress in this movie. Yeah. Like that's extremely rare. You don't really see, like, people get damseled in these movies. Like, and there was some of that in Princess and the Popper, but usually they would get out themselves. Yeah, I mean, well, in the last movie, they were also, all the fairy guardians were also kidnapped. Okay, that's true. They were, except the fact that Nalu is also in that sort of romantic thing. Yeah. It, it, it makes it a different type of damsel. Yeah, they mention he's a prince, but we never see this this Mermaidia monarchy. We don't actually spend a lot of time in Mermaidia. Yeah, it's a little ironic. So yeah, we don't really see meet any other mermaids, though. No matter what well, the toy I mean, line will try to suggest. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Inter- yeah. Might as well mention this. So, looking through the merch of this page, uh, they created three special dolls, uh, part of the Mermaidia color change line, where. If you put them in water, their tails change color, and their I think their hair changes color. But they made a doll for Nori, obviously, because she was such a big part. But they also made dolls for characters named Marissa and Shella. And these characters do not appear at all in the movie. Sad. They, they can only make so many mermaids. They can only make so many mermaids, but, like, what's the point? Like... What's the point of making multiple of those dolls? So like, they can get more money because you gotta buy mo- all the colors. Uh, Henry, yes, because you, you gotta. Can't, Henry, you can't question the merch. You ca- I can't question the merch. It does what it wants. It does what it wants. I apologize. Mm-hmm. So they arrive in Mermaidia and where they encounter. The, the Mer Fairies. The Mer Fairies. We got more shorties, but now they're underwater and they're just as. Uh, yeah, they Obnoxious still got that same weird design to them. Like, awesome. like whereas the first uh, weird mer fairy messenger lady, she had like a Betty Boop face. Their heads kind of remind me of Stewie from Family Guy. <laughs> they got like a football head. Yeah, they're 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 not. They have a lot of creatures in this movie that you think were like probably designed to be kind of cute, but like. In they did not translate did well not. in CJI. There's also a dolphin here. Yeah, the that dolphin is, literally shows up for two scenes and it's is not never relevant. seen again. But anyway, so Nori wants to talk to the Murfairies because they apparently she wants to know where this like oracle, oracle named Delphine is so they can tell her where Nalu is. But which apparently the Murfairies know, but they just like don't tell, tell people. Tell people unless even it's, though your your prince is missing and your entire kingdom could be killed? But like they only they'll only discuss it over lunch, but you can't go to lunch because it's like in the air and they don't like inviting people to lunch. Yeah, so. they gotta So yeah. Yeah, some of the aspects of this movie are like overly complicated. Yeah. Like, it feels like they could have just skipped a lot of this stuff and just head directly to find the Oracle. Yeah. But... I, but they have to get the Mer-Fairy playset. I know, you gotta okay. get the Mer-Fairy playset. You got, d- can't question the merch. I can't, can't question, question the but merch. But I can't question the story. <laughs> I can't question the merch, though. But suddenly, these little Mer-Fairies, they're feeding all these little animals, and one of them takes a shining to Bibble and starts 
feeding him all these food, and Bibble must consume the ferocity in which he eats with. Bibble has acquired a taste for flesh, and he will not be satisfied. Feed me. <laughs> Feed me. Feed me, Seymour. Feed me all that lie. <laughs> Lord, with Bibble, uh, Alina is able to coerce one of the mer fairies to like invite those two to lunch. And during all this, Nori is like, "Oh, I can't talk to them." Even though she was just talking to them in the last, she scene. was talking to them, but they wouldn't tell her the location of the oracle. No one, like everyone, wants to make things overtly complicated in this universe. You can't just be like, "The prince might die." Help. Also, his dying might bring upon the death of literally everyone, everywhere. But yeah. What but else? whatever. These Murfairies gotta be all like, when are you gonna marry him? Yeah, so no Nori has a... She's in love with Nalu. Which, but she thinks that he's in love with Alina. And also it's like, I'm just a commoner and he's a prince. And it's like... She's dressed way fancier than him, though. He's... Yes, and also, what sort of structure are we working with Look, here? it doesn't matter. So, what doesn't matter? What matters is the consuming, okay? so Yes, because Bibble must consume. Mm -hmm. And he consumes this large cake inside of the Mer Fairy's house. Bibble's thirst will never be quenched. He must consume lest his thirst change towards human fairy. <laughs> so he's eating this cake, and uh, one of the Mer fairies informs her that you gotta meet with this fairy fairy named Shelly, who is like a large snail like creature that takes travelers along a river at the edge of Mermadia. Which is a why do they need a fairy though? Yeah, they can fly! They can fly or swim. Water is not an obstacle Okay, here. it doesn't matter. It's the merch, okay? okay. The, the merch. Well, <laughs> it's the merch. I mean, you're... The, okay, so... So, after giving that information to Nori, Nori reluctantly agrees to let Alina accompany her. As long as you can keep up with me. Which, like, that's... If that's not one of the most goading statements... But this is how we get the scene from the trailer, where yeah. Alina is uh, racing her... While she's in the water, and they're and, going through this, like, canyon thing. And she's flying above her, and, like, they they keep exchanging these looks, and they're weaving and bobbing, and soon they come across this waterfall, and they emerge, and they majestically dive down into the water. This is one of those non-deadly waterfalls. Yes, but this is the moment that most people cite when they start shipping Nori and Alina. It's a very good scene. It they is do. A good I do like the the kind of like fast swimming scenes are definitely a lot more. And the flying has improved. Yeah, I think they really. realized that they need to make the flying a bit more fast paced if they want to keep it exciting. Yeah, but anyway, so and this is also the scene they had in like the trailer that got played. But anyway, so they make it to where the fairy fairy is, who's mm -hmm. like this. It kind of it kind of reminds me of like what is the. What is the one Pokemon, the one with the shell and, like, the flippers? Uh, Shelter? No, the, the... Clamper? The, the blue one with the, the neck. 
and the shell Nessie. and the flippers. The one that looks like Nessie with a shell. Oh, oh, Lapras. Yeah. Yeah. So it does look kind of like Lapras, except it's a more snail-like face, which, again, that was another, ah, face. It's a bit scary, but it's pink, so. It's pink, so. Mm -hmm. They gotta love it now. So once they reach her, her shell opens up, and the two ask if they can give them Nalu's location, except for some reason... Delphine can't tell them directly. Yeah, like I said, that's the thing of things being overtly complicated. It's like, because they gotta have like a test of character or something. Yeah, like they don't even have to like say, I can't tell you. You can be like, I my vision can only tell me so much. But what I do know is that you can help find him by going here. Sure, that would also be contrived, but at least it won't come off as you just not caring. Yeah. Well, we forgot to mention, like, in the shell, she had another little shorty in there that yeah. they were gonna say was Delphine. But, like, she's got, like, some kind of, like, poly pocket mechanism yeah. in that shell. But that was also a trick, and it was actually really the snail that was Delphine. Which, okay... Why? Because they had to have another place that Henry I mean, no, is the I, No, 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 no. I get that. But is could there have been a way to more easily convey that information while also displaying the place set? Like, what? heck, why not just make Delphine the little Murfairy Oracle person? I, I don't like, know. why do you gotta make it the snail? Because it's a twist. Uh, oh, yeah. Nothing can be easy in this movie, okay? I Everything's got to be overtly complicated. I suppose so. So, Delphine informs her that uh, in order to save Prince Nalu, they have to learn how to rely on each other, and Alina is going to have to sacrifice her wings for a tail. Which Alina, I guess somewhat understandably is a little apprehensive about. Yeah. Which is, that kind of goes back to this, like, why does Alina need to be the one to do this? Like, yeah, like, surely there could be, like, other people that could help out, but... I don't know. I don't know, so... Either way, she said she doesn't want to, so Delphine gives her this pearl necklace that she can use to wish for a tail if she needs it, and mm -hmm. that essentially the pearls... They'll turn blue, but once they turn back to white, if she isn't out of the water by that point, she'll, she'll... be a mermaid forever. Which if, if Delphine has like powers like that, can't she just like make it whatever she wants? Yeah, like Delphine is kind of a sleazy one. Yeah, it is. feels like there are just a lot more complicated steps that do not need to be applied here. Like, you're making this needlessly more difficult for the people that you're supposedly But they gotta with. have a test of character, even though she just went through another test of character to get her wings in the first place. Yeah. But she needs to have more character, I don't know. I'm gotta get all the character. You gotta, you gotta suffer Although for the wills of others, Alina. Although, interestingly enough, like, Alina doesn't really learn anything. If anything, it's Nori that ends up learning the lesson. But she had already learned in the last movie to put her like own wishes below the needs of others. Yeah. This so... isn't like a unprecedented for her. Like she was selfish before. Because literally the whole climax of the last movie was her 
decide like choosing saving the fairy guardians over getting wings. So like yeah, which again it makes it feel kind of hollow when it's like she's so dependent on her wings seemingly now. Like here's the thing: if you made it so that like time has passed since the first fairy topia movie, which it doesn't seem like it has, you could talk about how like oh careful Alina. You might be too reliant on your wings. Like, she might have gotten a little complacent because she ended up getting the wings, but... but I don't know. That's just a weird message to send to yeah. people. Like, because she was... She didn't have wings before, and she got it, but now she needs to, like, learn a lesson to be like... I don't know. It just feels very... I don't really know what they're wanting to do. It just feels like they just kind of wanted to retread the same message as mm-hmm. the last movie. I mean... And even so, like, both the original Fairytopia and this movie, like, compared to all the other movies, like, the actual morals and ideas that they want to impart are a lot less overt and likewise kind of shallow because yeah. of it. It definitely just feels like more of an excuse to, like, go to different set pieces, which... And speaking of set pieces, Delphine informs that they need to go to the Depths of Despair, which, again, good name, good name movie where they have to find a special uh, pearl called the Pearl of the Mist. No, the Mirror of the Mist, which can show them the true location of Nalu. Yeah, so that's what they do. So, they, so they're so they just swimming over there. Yeah. And I also have this part established that Bibble is canonically a coward because he does not want to go there, and they just leave him outside. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So... They end up swimming towards the bottom of the depths. And before then, Alina was warned that it's going to be nearly impossible to go down there without a mermaid tail. And Which, guess what? It is. It is, because the currents end up being way too strong for her to swim up against. And uh, Nori's just like, all right, whatever. You just wait up there. It's fine. Which, I mean, I guess that's somewhat reasonable. But suddenly... There is the seaweed lining the depths of despair, and it captures Nori and slowly, like, pulls her into this, like, little cage that's slowly, like, constricting and about to crush her. And this was a genuinely effective scene for me, like, because there's just a genuine level of suspense and fear that it just delivers to you. Definitely a lot more, like, death threats in this movie. Yeah, because, like... The vines are closing in on her. Like, it's very clear, like, oh, God, she's going to get crushed. And, like, meanwhile, Alina's, like, trying her hardest to swim as close as possible, but she begins crying because she can't do it. And it's, like, just this moment of desperation before she ends up deciding to sacrifice her wings for a tail. It, I don't know, like, I guess at this point, like, the writers were willing to pull less punches in terms of, like, the actual element of danger. Yeah, the movie definitely picks up once she, like, gets the mermaid tail, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I think so, too. But anyway, so she takes the offer, and she gets a mermaid tail, and she is able to save Nori, which Nori also ends up saving her right after it because she gets kind of ensnared in the same... Little predicament, which, I mean, that's fine. I, I would have liked it a little better if there was, like, a different separate predicament that could have, like, you know help differentiate them, like, slowly, 
maybe like fall on like their various. I mean, talents. there is a later scene like when they're in the geysers where Nori kind of like. That's true. That's true. Scene. Yeah. But anyway, after that, they're able to make it to where the mist, which is in this like big underwater cavern. Yes. Which. The idea of big underwater caverns has always been spooky to me. It well, reminds me of the, of the. Did you ever play Legend of Zelda: Twilight Princess? Oh yeah. It reminds me of the water temple boss level mm. where it's like in that big area and there's that big eel thing. Yeah, that was that was such a cool boss fight. But yeah, like I just love the framing of this scene. So uh, there's like there's just this big wide cavern that's just this dark infinite black abyss that is fed out from the depths of displayer and inside there's just like this small glowing uh light in the center of like this weird coral that's kind of like formed a web around it and it just creates this like really beautiful design and just i want to give all the props to like the animators and the storyboard artists that framed the scene because it it genuinely looked really good yeah and but so they make it to the Mirror of Mist, and they are greeted by this weird little green fish that is also there. Yeah, who also doesn't have a name, but when she goes forward to them, she's like, Oh, you sure you want to ask this question? After all, the mirror can tell you everything, like, are you truly a fairy? Or does your true love love you? Yeah. Which I was well, never gonna help her that much if her true love ends up dying. Yeah, so. like I get what they were supposed to do. This was supposed to be like an element of temptation in this whole hero's journey that you've concocted up. But also, like you gotta make it genuinely tempting, or else it's gonna feel like hollow. And it just, yeah, it feels very overt that this is what they were trying to do with that. But so they ask it, and they find out that Nalu is being held into in some place with air, where he's being yeah. kind of held over the water. Oh, we also forgot to mention the scene with him and the whirlpool, where it, mm-hmm. like most of the fungus scene are kind of go by the same thing, where it's just fungus. Max gets called by Laverna, and she yells at him. Well, he also yells at Nalu. Yep, and. So they have to go down this weird whirlpool in order to, like, get to the actual realm where the berry of immunity is. And, yeah, they're they're scared of the whirlpool at first, but after Laverna's, like, calls them out for being cowards, it's like, all right, they go in. Yay! In a scene, anyway. In a scene. So, so now they know where they need to go, and they decide to leave. Where Bibble was just like hanging out the entire time, even though he probably would have heard like the screams. Yeah, so. like you think Bibble would have tried to. I mean, Bibble's he, a coward. He's, he's so. canonically a coward. Canonically a coward. Uh-huh. So, uh, Bibble, once they end up meeting with Bibble, Bibble's surprised by the mermaid tail, which is very. It's, I like the design of Barbie's, Alina's. Yeah mermaid tail because it's got like this nice rose pattern and there's like a little like twist around it which almost conveys like oh her wings magically folded around her legs and that's what became yeah she's got more like a like a beta tail yeah which i like that that was a good design and eventually oh yeah the fish summons a special bubble that will lead them to where prince nalu is or at least 
get them started on finding Prince Nalu. Because no one can just tell people where things no, are, even just, if they know. You can't just, like, draw a map or, like, you know, just say, oh, go here. You gotta add magic bubbles and weird riddles and birthday, like, luncheon invitations. I don't know. Either way, so they find they make it to the entrance of this cavern that's got like these hot geysers in the in the walls that are, you know, going off periodically. Yeah. Which apparently Nori had like been through this before, so she knew yeah. how to avoid the geysers. It's strange. Uh oh, we forgot to mention while they were swimming. Nori notices that their arms magically now have the Crest of Courage, which is a symbol that will appear on those with truly brave hearts. Which I feel is like in the toys, they probably gave them some kind of cool tattoo uh, design, and now yeah, they wanted yeah. a reason to justify it in-universe. So Probably. Yeah, they, yeah. Got, they got tattoos for some reason. But anyway. But those go away as soon as, like, Barbie turns back into a fairy, so... Spoilers. So, uh, they end up looking around the thermal vents, and Nori finds that, oh, you gotta time it out in order to swim through here properly. And Alina and Bibble are justifiably scared because, again, credit to the animators, they made this look thoroughly threatening, like, they have these, like, large volcanic streams just erupting at weird intervals, and they say that if you even, like, touch it you'll be burnt to smithereens and it's like oh okay movie i get it you got death now i'm very proud of you for discovering death <laughs> as a concept anyway so nori decides to lead them through it and she's like hold my hand mm. it's just a <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. but she ends up in like a pretty cool sequence i think yeah i i enjoyed that sequence it was Definitely a lot more compelling of an action scene compared to, like, the Firebird chase. Yeah. It's a lot of similar stuff where they're just bobbing and weaving through the same thing, but I think because... It's actually fast and not just, like, slowly moving. Yeah. Anyway, and on the way, uh, Bibble gets incinerated and never seen again. Oh, no. no, no. Well, not really. It turns out he's just... No one would have to know. (laughs) So, uh, Bibble is just... Standing there like an idiot, and it's up to Nori to like swim back in there and like grab him just before like he's incinerated. Which I think that helps to like establish okay, Nori, she's a little stuck up, a little mean, and a bit of a bully sometimes, but you know, she she protects people. Yeah, she put her life on the line for this little tricks puff, so yeah, so might as well get behind her. So with all of that out of the way, they now have to pass through this sea cavern with a variety of sea plants with magical fruit. Yeah, including one that will turn you into your true self. Wonder when if that'll come back. Like, yeah, I'm just wondering, like, you'd think that, why doesn't everyone just eat that? It would change you. Well, it's kind of implied that the existence of this cavern isn't necessarily common knowledge. Because, mm. like, Nalu had to be the one to lead them to it. So. That's true. And they had to go through a geyser thing to get there. Yeah. Right. I'm just saying, like, the different people that have to, like, 
I don't know, say if they wanted to transition or anything like that. Those fruits would have been a nice little cost saver. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, and we get some a very amusing scene of Bibble eating various fruits that change his voice. He does a yodel. Yeah. He's got an opera fruit, and then he eats one fruit, and he transforms into Deep Bibble, which is actually how that voice is credited on IMDb. Wait, who voiced Deep Bibble? You gotta bring him up. We have the honor of Deep Bibble being played by... Yeah, Blue Makuma, who is known for being a voice actor and shows like, uh, oh, oh, and he was Sergeant Stanley Parks in Robocop? Okay. They probably paid him a good amount for like the 10 seconds he was in the movie. Oh, I bet. Oh, he's also Flutter Guy slash Red Dragon in Friendship is Magic. So they made, so uh, just know that Fairytopia made that joke before Friendship is Magic did, so. Mm hmm. Uh, shout out to Ronies. <laughs> You, listener, I need to just convey just how deeply uncomfortable Bibble made me feel as he began to <laughs> relentlessly flirt with all of the fruit while they were swimming through this chamber. Bibble's true form was revealed, and now we know. He's a fruit kisser. He horny. He, ah, <laughs> I don't. For fruit. I don't need to know the Bibble's Hey, you brought the horse thing up earlier, so this is where I'm bringing up the deep Bibble. Deep Bibble gets it on, okay? He gets it on the fruit. This movie established it. There's nothing you can do about it. He will consume everything. Watch out. You will never satisfy your lust for berry connection. Delicious. Bibble? Well, hello, Barry. Don't you look lovely today? And you, aren't you the most luscious thing a branch ever saw? How long will this last? <laughs> Nowhere near long enough. <laughs> and don't think I forgot about you, baby. <laughs> Okay, so eventually they decide to use these op- these berries to their advantage because they stumble on Prince Nalu, and in order to learn, who's in this fun- like air chamber, like this un- this like under secret underwater air chamber, which again, really nice design. Just just like the last Fairytopia movie, a lot of the sets and like environments within this movie are really a nice sight to behold. Like, yeah. there's a lot of really beautiful stuff here, and. Yeah, so they end up luring away the fungi with Bibble eating the opera berry. And, and we also learn that uh, Max had found the infinity berry in this, like, <laughs> this cavern after having this very amazing scene where he keeps on, like, picking up random berries to show to Laverna yeah. that are not the right ones. Which you'd think that she would have, like, drawn him a picture or something, you know, give him some more instructions, or maybe she's just, like, enjoying the time to belittle Max. And they established the Infinity Berry as, like, this little beige-colored one with, like, a red stripe. Kind of mm-hmm. looks like a Kind of looks lure. like a pale strawberry. Yeah. Like, it's got that strawberry. No, it's more like a peach. Like a really tiny peach. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Bibble uh, leads off the 
other fungus by singing Queen of the Night in his opera, mm-hmm. Bibble which, voice. Which, they are very dumb and very easily... Yeah, they start attractive. dancing ballet to it, and it's like, okay. They're minions, they don't, they don't know. They don't know. Uh, although I will say, they more effectively use the fungi as minions in this movie than the first Fairytopia. And I think another reason why this movie is a lot better than the first one, in my opinion. But soon, uh, once they find the berry, they're able to free Nalu from his bonds. And before they can leave, Nalu's like, no, we got to get the berry back. So they decide to pull a little trick on him. So where first Nalu jumps out and draws his attention and causes Maximus to nearly fall off, but suddenly... Bibble comes in and tries to steal the berry. And mostly succeeds, but it's first knocked out of his hand. And uh, they have to, like, try and capture it. And there's shenanigans as the two fungi try and grab it. And then all Nalu, uh, Nori, and Alina are tossing it back and forth. And yeah... But before they realize, before they can get away, Nalu's also like, no, we still can't leave because he's got the vial of poison. Which, Nalu, you should have explained that both times. Like, clear communication. Because it's a bit more more important at the moment. Yeah, like, forget the berry. In a hostage situation, which this is what it basically is, your priority is to remove the means of harm so that you don't, like... So you can remove the power Look, imbalance. he's a prince. He is not used to having to care for the lives of the little people, okay? I mean, if there's anyone who would know anything about a great imbalance of po- power, it's a monarchist like him. Uh, yeah. Okay, so yeah. after this little baseball thing, which I guess is supposed to be a callback to the first Peritopia, because yeah. they... She, Elena still got that good arm. Got that good she arm. She can throw things. She could. That's her special power. That's why she's the only one who can do things. No one can. She's the only one in Fairytopia with a good arm. <laughs> I mean, Nori also has a pretty good arm. Like, yeah. so. But does she have a rainbow in her eye? Oh, yeah. She does show off the rainbow in her eye to someone at some point. I think it was to Delphine when she It was dying. probably Delphine. Again, I, I don't think that's going to be explained until, like, the rainbow, like the secret of the rainbow movie, but yeah. Uh. But anyway, so Alina realizes that her necklace is almost all the way back to white, so she needs to get herself up to dry land. So she uh, breaks the fr- surface and sees like this like waterfall and salmon style. She swims up it and like is able to sit in this little cavern. Which that was also a really nice scene. Like honestly, so many of the swimming scenes are very beautifully animated in my opinion. Like I think they did a very good job. But Max is all like, give me the berry or I will poison all of Mermadia. Everyone will die unless you do this. So she gives him the berry and he's like, it's so good that you would risk everything to protect those people. Too bad they won't be alive to thank you! And he throws it into the water, and it's like, okay, 
great villain moments, like, very predictable, but still, like, I always execution. appreciate a villain in a children's movie that is just okay with genocide. That's just okay with genocide and also, like, willing to, like, not uphold their end of the bargain. Like, yeah. that... I don't know. I think it's like when you're as young as the target audience for these movies, like those sort of twists are something you're not especially used to. Like, I don't know. I feel like it adds a certain level of drama that makes it a lot more effective. Yeah. So, but anyway, so Alina, she ends up having to jump back into the water to grab the vial before it can spill into. And, yep. And just as, and literally the second that she lands in the water, Last of her pearls turns white, just like at the exact moment. What a tragedy. What a tragedy indeed. But soon it's revealed that, oh no, he got the berry of immunity. Except, while they were playing baseball shenanigans with it, Bibble had switched it out with the berry that reveals your true self. Except they painted it to make it look like that. Which, in terms of a strategy, that was actually, that was fine. I enjoyed it, but I would have appreciated just a little bit more setup, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, they pointed out the similarities and how they look, but maybe, like, establishing, like, where they got the paint or that sort of thing. Or even, like, Alina being like, okay, I have a plan, or something like that. Either way, like, all I need to know is that they are out of danger, but Alina has now been cursed to be mermaid forever, and she is understandably pretty upset about prospect of kind of not being able to see like uh piona and dandelion and all of her other friends which yeah but also like they can visit you i mean yeah. it ain't the end of the world yeah but still i mean being cursed to be mermaid is a, a the worst way to live in this fantasy world i suppose so but either way you know it's it's not what she wanted to live but that just kind of goes back to the whole thing where, like, where Alina has to, like, sacrifice her own bodily autonomy for other people. Yeah. And, like, why she needs to le learn this lesson twice in a row. Yeah, and is that even a lesson that's worth teaching? Yeah, like, I don't. I mean, I don't want to make any, like, definitive statements about how, like, anyone should be expected to act when it comes to their own body, but it feels like some of this whole needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few can be a bit dicey when you put it in the context of, like, I don't know, physical parts of you, like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's like, it's just sort of hard to try to interpret what they were going for here. Yeah, like, that's another that thing. They... Like, so much of this movie, it's very difficult to ascertain what sort of actual point they were trying to make with this so because yeah, it's like like i said alina has already established she's self-sacrificing she doesn't really yeah either way she ends up being very upset but then she learns oh yeah the berry that turns you into your true self so if she is really her true self she'll turn back into a fairy so she ends up beating it and, oh, yay, she's a fairy And again. her wings are even bigger than before. Yeah. Yay. Because they got, they got a new toy now, so you got to... They got a new toy, and you got to make it a better fairy. Yeah. But anyway, so she ends up, with everything solved, she ends up leaving, and the love triangle is solved, where 
Alina is like, oh, he totally doesn't love me. We're just friends. Even though they totally did have that goo-goo eyes thing. They had the goo-goo eyes thing, but it's just like... But they also knew each other for like 10 minutes. So Which, I will say, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a retcon for the first movie. But, like, it does make me appreciate that so far, Alina has not had any actual overt love interest mm. as a protagonist. Which is something surprising in a lot of these Barbie movies. So, granted, this might all go out the window once we end up getting to, like, The Secret of the Rainbow and the Mary Posa films, but for now, okay. Yeah, so she ends up uh, parting ways with uh, Nalu and Nori, and she just goes home and tells Dandelion about it. There isn't really that much left to this movie, other than we establish that, of course, once Laverna... Eats the berry. berry. She turns into a frog. Yes, <laughs> because her true self has made her ugly. And, and as she... we know in any Barbie movie, if you're ugly, that means you're bad. But if you're, if you're pretty, that means you're good. So... Yeah, and nothing's uglier than a toad. Though, to us, frogs are awesome, though. We need uh, to appreciate frogs more. It's ru- very rude, Mattel. Mm-hmm. But regardless... She swears vengeance on Alina, and it's totally not a teaser for future plots and sequels, but that is Barbie Fairytopia Mermaid. Colon. Colon Mermaidia. Colon Well, we learned a few new things in we this did. movie. We did. Even though the more I kind of analyze the movie, the more I realize it's just kind of like the same emotional journey as the first movie, but underwater. Yeah, although I will say, maybe that's the reason why this uh, journey ends up feeling a lot more effective for me. Because they already test run it, like, the first time. They got a second attempt to basically do it again, so of course they were going to iron out some of the wrinkles. Yeah, well, at least I know that the third movie, from what I remember, is a bit of a different one. Where I think that one is like a kind of a magic school kind of thing going on. I'm going to be very interested Yeah, it was. how that goes. But, but either way, I mean, I definitely enjoyed it more than Fairytopia. Mm-hmm. It's still not as good as, like... Uh, Magic of Pegasus or Rapunzel or Princess and the Popper, but I definitely think it's like, like on that slightly lower level. Yeah, I don't know where I'd exactly put it in the bigger pantheon, but I mean, personally, it, I would put it a step below uh, Princess and the Popper and step above Nutcracker, but that's just me. And I feel like I like Nutcracker a bit better than this one. Really? Okay, yeah. that's fair. I don't know. I feel like this one, it didn't really get interesting until, like, the halfway That's point. That's true. And, I don't know, it just it just has that, it definitely has much more of a toy f- commercial feely yeah. feeling than other ones. Yeah. Which I think might be, like, a trend for these Fairytopia movies. I agree. And especially I... this movie, since it feels like so much of a retread of, like, the first movie, it just kind of feels like... This movie was made so, like, pretty much anyone could just get it and not really know any context and just be like, oh, it's just this movie again, but now it's mermaids. Yeah. That's fair thinking about it. Actually, yeah, to be quite honest, like, the biggest redeeming factor of this movie is, like, the sort of, like, nascent relationship that ends up popping up between 
uh, Alina and Nori. Yeah, and, like, some of the adventures they go on do have some, like, genuine tension and some good moments, but it's more of a middle road. It's refreshing to have, like, I don't know, I don't know, to just have, like... A female friendship in one of these movies. Yeah, because... Even though they also touched upon that in Princess and the Popper, as we said in that episode. They don't really interact they that don't. much in Princess and the Popper, except for, like, the beginning mm-hmm. and, like, the but very But this end. time it's, like, it's all throughout, and that ends up, like, greatly enhancing the experience for me. Definitely. I think I'll give it uh, three m- magic pearls out of five. Okay. I'm going to give it sexy bibble out of ten. <laughs> No one knows what that rating could mean. could mean a lot of things. It could mean a lot of things, depending <laughs> on what you're into. Oh, God. No one be into Bibble. Please don't. You can't see it right now, Vera, but I'm I'm winking. I'm winking so hard. No human being can handle the pure sexual might of Bibble. <laughs> it would be too much for any singular person to handle. <laughs> no one should know that power. <sighs> Well, yeah. I mean, he gets a girlfriend in the next movie, doesn't he? Does he? I think so. I well, there's going to be only one way to find out, so stay tuned, viewers. But until then, uh, the next movie that we're going to be watching is Barbie... Uh, well, uh, the next canonical movie in this was The Barbie Diaries. And could you imagine going... From this movie to the Barbie Diaries. Oh I like to not imagine that I saw that movie. But the, so 12 Dancing Princesses is next. Correct? Yes, which I actually do have some memories about from yeah. the movie and the dolls. So the thing is, I remember watching it, but I honestly don't remember a lot about what happened in that movie. So. Same. So I'm going to be very interested in But it is another that... dancing movie. It's after another so dancing long. movie, and it's another princess movie. So. Yeah, so. Uh, and there's 12 of them in this one, I assume. Yeah, so. and a lot of people, this is another one of the movies that a lot of people have a lot of regard for. So I'm going to be extremely interested in seeing how it ends up playing out. Because looking at like some screenshots right now, it already like has some pretty improved like character models and all that. So Yeah, but yeah. Uh, anyway... Uh... You ready to sign out? Yeah, so thank you once again for joining us in the Pink Isle. Uh, as always, I'm Henry Kathman. You can find my work on Twitter at Kathman Henry. And you can follow Emma's great writing with the USI Shield, uh, which there will be links for that in the description. And also, yeah. I don't know, show my, I got my videos. Uh, I haven't been able... I'm trying to get a video uploaded by the end of... April, but yeah, we'll see. But until then, thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget to check us out on at Pink Isle Pod on Twitter, where you'll get to witness the majesty of the Bibble memes, because they're coming. They're coming. Just like Bibble is a coming. No, okay. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you later. Watch out. He's coming. Deep Bibble.